Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. BetOnline is your number one source for all your betting needs. Get the latest odds, lines, and matchup reports for baseball, boxing, golf, and more. BetOnline continues to be the fastest and easiest way to place your wagers, including live betting and your favorite casino and card games available to play right from your phone. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and get in on the action. Remember to use promo code BELIEVE, that's B-L-E-A-V, for your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. But online, where the game starts. All right, folks. Well, thanks for listening in. This is Jeremy Evans, your host of the California Sports Lawyer Podcast, where we talk about everything entertainment, media, and sports law, and management, uh, and industry issues. Um, we have a very special guest with us today. This is episode 25 of season five, and um, his name is Neil Rogers. Uh, he is a terrific individual. He's written a book. Uh, and he's a master in the sales um, sales realm, and he's had a, a wonderful career. He's also the father of a very dear friend and colleague in Cam Rogers, who folks who listen to the uh, to the Believe uh, Network may uh, recognize and uh, hear of the name and, and know who we're talking about. Just a terrific producer and uh, podcast host, and somebody that uh, loves the game of golf as well. But um, Welcome Neil in and and uh, get into how sales connects to everything uh, in this world and um, and some of the lessons he's learned along the way. So Neil, welcome in. Hey Jeremy, thank you so much for having me. Uh, pleasure, pleasure. So Neil's got you know you've got this great book. It's called Bar Tips. It's got a wonderful cover on it, which uh, which which I enjoyed, and um, it's a picture of a tip jar and it's got a briefcase and then it's got a a beer with um, some overflowing foam. So uh, by the way, terrific cover and it's bar tips, everything I need to know in sales. I learned behind the bar and this uh, uh, came out in what March, uh, March of this year, right? March of this year. Yes. So um, really, you know, it's funny. I think when I was growing up, I had this idea, you know, my dad was a, a furniture salesman and I thought, man, I don't want to be a salesman. You know, I don't want to be reliant on always having to sell something. And I think what I've realized as I've gotten older is that sales is everything. It's involved in every aspect of life. You're always selling something, whether it's your brand or yourself, you're always putting something out there and huge money is put towards advertising and marketing and creating a brand. And so maybe tell us a little about your story, Neil, and how you, how you got to write the book sort of your background and uh, and maybe uh, some sort of things you would love for people to take away from from reading the book. So the um, I came from a very large family, well, eight, eight children. I was the seventh of eight. Uh, and at, at that juncture, I, I, you know, the you know, my, my parents were 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 tired. Right. And so my senior year in high school, I literally in May went up to my mother and said, uh, is there something I should be doing next year? 
And so I had no real interest, no real aim. I was a mediocre athlete, not very, not a, not a great student, and um, or at least of academic intelligence, I should say. And um, so I went off and tried the college thing and failed. And then all the while, I stayed working in the hospitality business, doing you know anything more more back of the house stuff at first, you know, in the kitchen. You know, first as a dishwasher, and this is this started in, at, at the age of fifteen or sixteen years old. I'm now seventeen, eighteen, and I uh, I kept on, I kept, I kept working at that. Got out on the floor, did some busing and whatnot, got some tips, kind of like that. Wound up behind the bar as a bar back, and that is, it should be back break because it's back breaking work. And watching the bartenders, I said. Now that's a really cool gig. I'd like to be able to, I'd like to do that. So having failed at school and uh, thinking maybe this is something I'd like to do, I set my sights on getting the bar job. So I knew of a, of a, of a bar that a friend of mine or a friend of the family, I should say, who eventually became a friend of mine was gonna be the manager of. So I went and I solicited him for the bar job. So I'm putting on my best face and telling him what I can do and all that. And I'm, you know, what am I doing? I'm selling myself. And uh, he said, listen, I can't really put you on the bar right now because it was a small place. There was only three bar shifts, three bar patterns. And it was, a, we only need one on one on any given ship. He said, I'll give you three nights, five nights on the door. So I said, okay, I'm in, I'll get started. I saw so start from the, from, from, from the bottom. And uh, lo and behold, the day person didn't want the bar job. So I uh, I jumped in on that and uh, had learned technique through one of the one of the guys there, the the actual manager, the guy that I solicited, and he showed me how to look good doing this and how you should pull with authority and look like you know what you're doing, selling yourself. And so I so my first drink that I poured, I went and did my looked good doing it, brought it over, put it in front of it. I can't even remember what it was. It was called the Sea Breeze, which are not as popular today as they were back then. It's vodka, grapefruit, and cranberry. I put it down in front of the person. They took a sip out of it. They gave me a smile and said, hey, that's, that's really good. And I was like, whoa, to myself. Like going, I, I really appreciated the media feedback. And I went and I said, maybe this is something I could, I'll be good at. So I started working it and working really hard at it. And I did get good at it. And I got good. And 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 what was what was shining through were my interpersonal skills. And I don't know if you've ever heard of the book by Howard Gardner called Frames of Minds. Hmm. But there is uh he talks about the seven types of intelligence. And one of them is the interpersonal intelligence. Because this book came out in 1983, and uh, I was doing this in 1978, 79. I wish I had known that by then, because it would have helped my self-esteem a lot, because that's where I excelled. I excelled interpersonally, and then also self-awareness with intrapersonal. So I, I, I realized that this is, this is a, a place for me, a place that I can be successful, but I also came pretty quickly, decided that I, I actually went back to hotel restaurant school, failed again. So the school thing wasn't working for me. And I, I uh, decided that 
I was not going to do this for the rest of my life, that I needed something else. And so as I would talk to people, say, you know, Neil, your your interpersonal skills uh, really could bode well for, for you in sales. I said, well, okay. So I went and I started pursuing that. And I got back to school. I had interest. I had desire. And lo and behold, guess what? I figured out how to be good at school. And what I did was I recognized that like another sales job, show up, be noticed, do the work, ask questions, actively listen. If you think about it, all those are, are very, very important in sales. So I went ahead and uh, got my degree and I became, I got very good at school. I mean, I wasn't, I'm, I'm not Cam. Cam was, Cam was much better <laughs> student than I was, but I still wind up, you know, a 385 student from a guy who flunked out twice. But I had interest and I, and I was, and, and so I, all the while I stayed working the bar. And so I kept getting, and it was great because it was great money, great side, side hustle. And uh, I wound up, so, so, you know, so that's the story to that point. And if you fast forward to COVID, it's a lot of years. And um, a friend of mine, one of the things I would do during COVID is I would reach out to people because being an, being a, a per, people person, it was killing me not to be able to be with people and not to be able to speak with people or, you know, just, uh, you know, and all that. So I would reach out to people via text first i wouldn't want to interrupt their day and invariably i get a call back hey what's up how you doing neil i'm doing great what is up with you and we get onto a conversation so it really helped a lot and this one guy i spoke to his name he's mentioned in the book he's actually wrote the forward in the end is his guy by the name of terry mcmahon and terry was a wildly successful mass mutual general agent until his uh, success took him to places and behaviors that he needed life-saving surgery. Terry got the surgery, and this is when I was speaking to him 18 months after that. So he, uh, he got on to what he's been doing and how he wrote a book on his recovery and how he's got this, you know, all this, that, and the other thing. And he says, you should write a book. I said, what am I going to write and so I, I I had written some some little ditties on uh, uh, bars that I worked in because for me being a commuter student, the bars that I worked in were my fraternities. And these are the people I still hang out with to this day, or at least we we get together quite a bit. And um, so so I started thinking about it, and so I had written some things on that, written some things on some other things in my youth and about growing up. And then I, I, I started thinking about um, this, this time when my daughter, another, another uh, she, she was getting honored by the Chamber of Commerce here in Nashville, New Hampshire. And the, you know, the Chamber's got an award for everything, right? And so she was one of the hot people to watch under 30, right? And the guy who brought Five Guys Burgers to New Hampshire was the keynote speaker. And he was a great speaker. He was, he wasn't fire and brimstone. He talked plain talk. Uh, he talked in uh, uh, regular language, no big words, all the, all the way that I wrote in my book. And 
he uh, he went on to talk about for anybody out there that's been in the hospitality business and served or whatnot, there was there was always some sort of rah rah speech or pre meal where you would find out about what was um, what was what was out, what the specials were, what to look out for tonight, how we did last year, and then a little bit of a fire and brimstone speech. And his speech was. We're not in the burger business. We're not in the fry business. We're not in the shake business. We're not in the in this in this in the, in the soda business. We're in the hospitality business. I looked at my wife, and for context, my wife and I met when I was a bartender at a place called Tia's in Boston, and she was a food waitress. And she um, and I just looked at her and said, "I've never left the bar business, the hospitality business." I've been bartending on the road for 37 years. So then there's where I came up with the concept of the book. So I had the little pieces of, so I do a little, uh, I do a little two chapter memoirish type deal. And that's really to demonstrate that, you know, where I came from and, and to give hope for those, those kids that were, that are middle of the road students and but yet may have a whole bunch of innate skills that they could apply to whatever they want to do. In my case, it was sales. Um, you know, they might be good managers. Uh, that was not going to be a, a way for me to go. Yeah. And so that was, so I wound up I, from there, I started, um, I started interviewing people from my past and talking about, about, you know, concepts that I had about the book and then took ideas from them and we just talked and it was a great way to spend spend COVID. So and then and then I got into all the concepts and whatnot that we can discuss, but uh I'll take a breath here and see if I if I'm going in the right direction for you. Yeah. No, you are, Neil. I I was love listening to your background and um and uh in your story there that's it's fantastic i i guess if i could hone in on a on a couple different questions sure um you know you have these great sort of principles in your book that you talk about and we'll get into that um but where do you sort of see like this idea of sales being so important in um obviously i think you and i both agree it's sort of in every aspect of life you're always negotiating you're always selling something but um sort of, you know, being behind the bar, where, where do you kind of see that venture out from there? Like where, like, how do you see that sort of in a, in a practical way, sales being implemented in, in, in different aspects of life and in business? So there's, there's a, there's a quote in the book, and I'm going to read from it if you don't mind. Sure. Um, and it's by Anthony Bourdain. And one of the best. It goes, yeah. It goes like this. You can always tell when a person has worked in a restaurant, there's an empathy that can only be cultivated by those who stood between a hungry mouth and a $28 pork chop. A special understanding way of a bunch of mis motley misfits can be a family. Surface industry works to develop, and here it is, soft skills recruiters talk about on LinkedIn, discipline, promptness, the ability to absorb criticism. And most importantly, how to read people like a book. The work is thankless and fun and messy, and the world will be a kinder place if more people tried it. With all due respect to my former professors, I've long believed I gained more knowledge in kitchens, bars, and dining rooms 
than any college could even hold. So it's that's where the so what does that mean in anything in life? You know, what is what whatever whatever you're you're if you're an attorney, you're a doctor, you're I mean everybody wants to go to the person that's that gives them a proper greeting that you walk in and their in their in their space is organized when the insurance salesman guy wants that wants to quote your quote your quote your insurance how does how does his paperwork look you know are they on time you know do they can they do they do they have do they have support in their offices have they invested in their business um do they do, do they know how to do they know how to read a room you know taking and then and then one of the things I just matter of fact I uh, a uh, a uh, craniosacral therapist that I use I, I talked to her I was with her last night and she was talking about so here this woman isn't a salesperson right she's a she's she's a she's a healer and she said she had some woman kept on calling her calling her calling a line that she doesn't answer all that often and got a little upset because she had a gift certificate right so she had this gift certificate and so she wound up coming into her facility one day because she wasn't satisfied with what she was what happened right mm-hmm. and and that in the, in the service she was getting so Alyssa hears her because she's with a client she goes hello she's listening to this woman so she excuses herself from her client goes out and tells the woman here's what I'll, I, I'm sorry you haven't got back to you yada 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 but here's the thing, I'll give you, I'll, I'll, I'll honor, I'm going to honor your gift certificate and I'm going to give you another session for the, for our FOPA. So she could have got combative. She could have got, uh, you know, what are you doing coming into my place and ruining my day and I'm here with clients. No, 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 no. You'll find in the book, one of the chapters is taking ownership when a problem arises. Geez, that drink didn't taste very good. You know what? Let me make you another one. No questions asked. We want to get into it. So I think it applies in every aspect of 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 of, of world of of life. You know, if you have a beef with a friend, you know, what was your what was your what what, did, what what was your part in that? You know, what could you have done that? What could you have done better to to not make this beef happen? And then from a you you come from a position of not retreat, but of strength, because you know, okay, I've got a, I, I've got a little piece of this. Let me, let me, let me demonstrate that and demonstrate humanity. So, so that's the, those are the types of things that we talk about in the book. The things that I learned both at the bar, but also were open to learning as I grew too. You know, as I, I, I mean that peripheral law. I mean the. That that uh, taking ownership when problem arises that is a chapter, and I really learned that from a, another sales guy, a veteran sales guy in a food in, in the food business that I my, when I first started selling. So, if you're open to new concepts, and none of these things, by the way, Jeremy, are complex marketing theory. They're all golden rule type. Type things, type points that I that I that are in the ten. I call them this ten points in the book. Yeah, of, of that of that nature. So so I 
So I'm hoping that answered your question. I, I think, but the uh, but there's there's a little demonstration, and I just I just heard it yesterday. And guess what she got today? What? Fine book. <laughs> I love she it. It's a bar tip. I love it. I love it. Yeah, it's uh, the peripheral knowledge you're talking about. I mean that that piece to me is so important. The humility, the humanity aspect. You know, thinking about how you can do your part to make relationships better to improve relationships. That to me is so important. Just being aware about your actions and how important your words are and your actions are. I mean, that, that to me is, is so important. And, um, you know, in many ways, as you were talking, I was thinking of the book by Dale Carnegie, how to win friends and influence people. Right um, over here to my left. What's that? It's right over here to my left. Never. Yeah. Never I love it in your office. Yeah. It's it's so special, and I, I love that you've written this book because I think this is a great way to really get to values and and to get to um, you know really how to help people be successful, but to do it in a genuine way. Um, so, in sort of your experience, um, how have some of these sort of bar tips, um, you know, so you know as a bartender and in the service industry, um, I remember back when I was in high school, I worked for Red Lobster for, I think about a month. And, um, you know, ultimately that was enough for me to realize that the cert, I mean, it's just, it is so hard to work in a kitchen. And, um, and I, I love cooking now, but I do it as a, as a hobby is something that I enjoy. Uh, but I always remember another quote by Bourdain is he would say, you know, I feel like if you're, if you're in the business of making food in the business of preparing food for people, you're probably on the side of the angels, you know, meaning that, right. you know, you're, you're doing good work. You're, you're in the service industry, but in terms of being an entrepreneur, um, maybe talk a little bit about bar tips as a book and, and, and also principles you've picked up in your experience that can kind of help you as an entrepreneur. Well, I think all of these things, I think the 10, it's interesting. I, I, the 10 that are in the book, in, in my view, are for me worked work perfectly. I am open to more, right? So, and and what I say, you know, and I, in the beginning is that this is not an absolute. These are the things that have worked for me. But I think these, in my view, I think these are unavoidable. If you're going to be successful in sales and business, in in a lot of cases in life, I guess. Um, you know, you have to be a good listener. You know, you need to you need to know what your situation is. You should look good. You should have a good attitude, and you, and you should always be upgrading your ability. Um, you know, do you do? You know, when I talk about a proper send off and a and a, a follow up, here's what you shouldn't do in a in a in, in my view as a server. Don't ever ask me. Do you need change? You're making an assumption there. You're making an assumption that I'm leaving you a tip. It's not the way to go. You grab the you grab the bill. You grab the cash. Most of it's most so many so many transactions credit card it doesn't happen as often anymore. But come back with the cash. Make it another touch point. First, grab the cash. Thank you very much. Hope you enjoyed your meal. Go back and 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 ring it in. Bring back the cash. I hope you have a wonderful day. Thank you so much for coming in. Another opportunity, another touch point. 
you know, should you be should you be knowledgeable about your products? Um, so you know, and that it, it, should you should you have knowledge? One of the things we talked about peripheral knowledge a second ago. Peripheral knowledge, as it's explained in the book, is peripheral knowledge is things that you will do for your customer or client that doesn't necessarily directly affect you. Like it doesn't go right to your bottom line, but it enhances, I guess the big word today is brand, whatever that may be, but it advances your relationship. As an example, in a restaurant, what does that look like? Somebody comes into a seafood restaurant and looks for a steak. Say, hold on a second. Maybe we, at is we had one on the menu. We could have sold them the steak, but these people are looking for steak. The chat house was right through the, right through the hotel, take a left. And there's all the steak you can have, all, all the all the cuts of meat that you want. Did that directly benefit me? No. Will they remember me? Yes. How does that work in your business? You know, if you're, I, I know you're a practicing attorney. I know you do a lot with sports law. But let's say, for instance, you're helping your 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 clients need a good estate attorney. You got to know who these the best estate attorneys are. That's peripheral knowledge. Things that doesn't that don't directly affect you. And it's the it, it's the it's the um, it's the doorman that knows where the live music is. So I think all of these things are, are unavo- I believe they're they're unavoidable, um, but you can you certainly can add to them. Yeah, you know, to your point, you are right because, um, you know this this sort of idea when you you know you go to a hotel. And you talk to the doorman and you know concierge and they know everything or they know a little bit about a lot, you know, and they're like, Oh, go here for this, go here for this. And, and it's true because I think one of the things that I sort of pride myself in is that I do know a lot of lawyers and I can refer people and I can refer, you know, to good people and to give them multiple options so they can make a choice. But you are so right. And the quote that I think of is, uh, the one by Ben Franklin, which is often misquoted, that the misquote is, um, you know, or I, I'm sorry, the, the correct quote is um, this idea of sort of master, being a master of many things, right? And it's like, jack of all trades, master of one is what Ben Franklin said. But it's been misquoted as being jack of all trades, master of none, Oh, you know, that's one for me right there, my friend. Yeah. Yeah. And so it's, it's been, and the truth of it is, is that you can be, um, you know, you, you can be a jack of all trades. You really should be, you should have a diverse set of knowledge and, and skill sets and that sort of thing. That doesn't mean you're going to be good at everything. You should, as, as judge Judy would say, find something you're good at and, uh, capitalize on it. But, um, and, you know, double down on it, but yeah, it really should be a master of one, you know, but you can know a lot of things about, you know, about different subjects. So I love this idea of, you know, peripheral, peripheral knowledge, you know? Um, so I, I was just going to say real quick, you know, Neil, if we could, um, and and I didn't want to cut you off. If you want to go ahead, we can do that, but I was, maybe have a couple more questions for you. Sure. Fire away. So, um, you know, you and your wife have started this um, parents assisting special ed- educators, mm-hmm. and I think is it pronounced Pace? Yes. So tell 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 me a little bit about that. Like, wh- I always love when people do, um, 
you know, sort of have this positive impact in, in their careers. And then, uh, and then I want to close with sort of talking about this idea of the importance of um, happiness and positivity uh, and why society doesn't put more emphasis on it. But I think we close with those two. So Pace was, um, so we have a, we have a, uh, the, our middle child, uh, Amanda is our, our firstborn. Craig is our secondborn and, and your friend Cam is our third. And Craig is a 32 year old man with non-speaking autism. And, wow. and that's a whole nother conversation. But what we, what we, when we were going through what every parent goes through, you know, the, the fear, the doubt, the, the anxiety, what are we going to do? How's he going to survive? How's he going to live? How's he going to learn? Uh, how, what can we do to make him better? And went all over the countryside trying to find that, spent hundreds, if not millions, hundreds of thousands, if not millions of dollars on that in time and effort, cash. And, um, what we what we did find was, and we tried we tried everything, and a lot of stuff just didn't take. What we did find is that the common thing that we could get our arms around and and help with was education um, and support the special education process. Uh, it's, you're, they're, they're all within a between a rock and a hard. We have we have uh, the law on our side that says you have to provide an equal education. Well, guess what? There's budget problems. All right. So what do we do? Do we do we fight over this all the time, or do we help them? We chose to help, and we chose to take a positive angle. When we when we started Pace, the golden rule was it was always positive talk. There was no talking. When we got together, we talked about solutions, creativity, using creativity for solutions. And never would we talk about how the school systems were bad. Why aren't they doing this? Why can't we get that? All that stuff. Never, it would never be in one of our meetings. We weren't always popular for that because people wanted to, wanted to, you know, bitch and, and whatnot about what they're not getting. And over the time, over time, we, we created, we did, many things we we but in the end in at the core we became a lifeline for the people on the ground the teachers you know our, th our philosophy was we had two events every year we raised i don't know we raised we, we raised a bunch of money nobody got paid it was it was a uh you know we paid a, a, a bookkeeper and that type of thing but um it was money went directly right back into the schools the things that teachers would have had to take out taken money out of their non-budgetary items that teachers would have to take money out of their own pockets. So it was just a nuts and bolts, connect the dots approach to providing a solution is what, we're, what we did. And Jeremy, it's a whole nother, again, there's a whole nother podcast to do on that. Yeah. No, I just, I wanted to highlight it because it's important and I just, I really just appreciate the work that you're doing and, and but, same, to, but in the yeah. end, same principles. Yeah. Same principles. Yeah. That's, that's the common theme here is that, you know, uh, it, it wasn't, it wasn't over the top complicated. We didn't blow, we didn't get the meetings and bloviate all the time. It was right. how can we do something? What can we do? We were doers. And we had a group of, we had a group of about a dozen that we ran with for about 18 years. 
But when Craig graduated out of the system, you know, um, there was the, 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 we offered to stay on and take care of, take it, but we just didn't have anybody that would run it. So we went on and created a, the first of its kind uh, special needs classroom at the local community college here. So we got, we kept moving with Craig and we've, we've done more, more since then. I love that. Now I'm glad, glad we got a chance to highlight that. And then Neil, and I appreciate you sharing that. So, um, and if we can get to a, a third question, I'll get to it, which would be sort of, um, maybe your three top tips, um, you know, for, you know, from the book in terms of sales and business, but this sort of idea of, you know, why doesn't society put more emphasis on the importance of happiness and positivity? It doesn't sell. Them. Yeah. It bleeds, it leads. You have to dig for it. You have to make it part of your own life. You have to, you have to seek it out. Seek it out. We have done that when, when we, uh, in 2008, when everything was in trouble and, you know, marketing budgets were getting cut. So our, our marketing business was, was suffering and it's like, started worrying about where's this stuff all going to come from. We spun it. Um, my daughter, my, my daughter and my wife went to a local fair of all these holistic people and every the whole theme of the place was mindful behaviors positivity happiness and and whatnot a great book just to put it on your list is a book by sean acor called the happiness advantage hmm. and um a lot of what we do we learn from sean's book so That's it's uh and i mean and then the practical end of it is the happier you sells more 37 percent. this is all uh all in all in Sean's book, 30, you're 31% more productive. So we put a whole program around it called positive activity. Wow. That's so true too. Cause when you're, I mean, I just find, I like being around people who are happy. You know, I'm on myself. I'm a happy person. I always try to look for the positive and everything. Um, but yeah, I mean, you just, you perform better, you feel better. So I, I love that, but you're right. You know, a lot of times on the, at least with the news cycle that doesn't sell. So um, maybe in closing, Neil, we can talk a little bit about maybe like your top three tips, um, you know, from the book or in sales. Um, you talk a little bit about the secret sauce in your book, but maybe maybe highlight some of those things if you can for us. I think in the end, for me, it's all been about process, right? So what is your, it's like, you know, it's like the golf swing. The golf swing, or the golfer is looking for the repeatable swing. What's your repeatable process that you can develop out of maybe the, the laundry list of things that I put in my book that work for you and put your, put your, what are, what are your, what are your 10 steps? What are your seven steps? Whatever it is. We talk about a seven step program in, um, in business development and we, we follow that to the T. Heck, we lost a million dollar client last year in our business. We guess what we did? We went right, right back into our process. We've we've gained back six hundred thousand of that already. Wow! Same process over and over again. Do it for ninety days, but it all starts with the positive mantras, the five minutes of meditation, the journaling, the before you open up uh, your exercise, you know your diet, all those things. And then I, I'm not talking about crazy stuff, but watching these things. But everybody can breathe, breathe and listen to their breath for five minutes a day. And then, then how are you going to approach 
replacing that business, getting that new client. If you meet somebody new, what's your what's your what's what's your seven step program to get them to the next phase? Because just to, just because he liked it, he or she liked you at the cocktail party does not mean she, they're waiting by their phone for you to call or their email box. So what do you get? What do you get? What are you putting? How do you put them in queue to to show them some love, to show them that you're serious, to show them that you want the business, that you're creative, and you're not just leaving them forty voice voicemails. So I think that. So I think the. I think that. Again, I think I mentioned it before. I think that all of these things are unavoidable. That that all the ten or so tips that are in the book are are to be to be successful in my view are unavoidable. Unavoidable. Yeah. Um, you should know how to say say hello to somebody. You should smile when you say it. You should listen to what they have to say. These are all Dale Carnegie principles, right? Yeah. Uh, remember their names if you can. Right. So I know you're looking for three. It's just so hard to bring them to three. I'd rather I'd rather people make that decision for themselves when they when they take a look at the uh, at the book. I love that. Everybody, this has been Neil Rogers. He's written a terrific book called Bar Tips: Everything I Needed to Know in Sales I Learned Behind the Bar. Fantastic book released in March of this year of 2023. Neil, a pleasure. And thank you so much for giving us your time today. Well, I just want to say I appreciate your time and uh, your expertise. And that, uh, yes, anybody that uh, would like to buy the book, it is available on Amazon and barnesandnoble.com. Awesome. Well, Neil, I look forward to do uh, chatting again soon and, and keeping in touch and hopefully seeing, seeing you in person. Sounds good. That'd be great, Jeremy. I'd appreciate that. All right. Thanks, Neil. So long. All right, everybody. That's been uh, Neil Rogers uh, talking about his wonderful book, Bar Tips. Um, look forward to being back with you next week. This show has been brought to you by Bet Online. This is Jeremy Evans, your host of the California Sports Lawyer Podcast. Thanks for making us the number one sports law podcast in the world for three years running. Look forward to being back with you next week. Thank you so much.